Okay, hi again everybody. Uh, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and we are delighted to be back here um, with our latest uh, in our series of podcasts. Um, and to, to today we are uh, equally delighted to welcome Rob Taylor, who is uh, the current head coach of uh, Lightning Cricket at, um, at Loughborough. Also, he you know, became the, the head coach of Loughborough University Women's Cricket uh, a couple of years ago. And before that, as a you know, as a former professional cricketer for Leicestershire and for Scotland, uh, so Rob, um, thank you very much for making the time and, and welcome to our podcast. Hi Tom, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, and um, we we're sort of building this little bit of momentum up at the moment for those people who've been listening uh, over the last five or six weeks uh, around a theme to do with women and girls cricket, and so um, absolutely. Uh, Really, really keen to, to hear your story, uh, especially as somebody who's been a, a professional in the men's game and then turned his career towards supporting uh, women in, in, in their professional careers as cricketers. So um, perhaps to, to begin with, if you can you know, take us back to when you first started playing as a, as a youngster and, and tell us the story, paint us the picture of how that all came to be. Yeah, so it's, I, I suppose I, I had a pretty standard route into cricket I reckon um, when you think about it my dad played on Saturdays for a local village team um, got, got a brother who's a couple of years older than me so we would head down to the club and we'd watch him at a weekend and we'd be hitting the ball on, on the sideline and um, just slowly yeah got into it through that it was it was part of our um, I suppose part of our weekly routine growing up as kids was, was to head down to the club to watch dad on Saturday um, and you know that's was kind of how I got into it to begin with when I got a little bit older, um, sort of into my teens. And then um, we were in a situation where Dad rigged up a bit of netting in the garden and, um, you know, got an old tennis roller and, and did his, you know, did his best to make it flat and pretty as safe as possible. And so my brother and I could, you know, play in the garden. So it's, you know, sport in general has, has been something that's been part of my life the whole time. So, um, whether it's taking a rugby ball on a walk or, um, you know, playing a game of tennis or whatever it might be, you know, I'm always keen to, to get stuck in and have a go. And that's, that's something that's been ingrained in me through, through when I grew up. Um, when I was at school, we played a lot of cricket as well. Um, so I was, I was part of a school team um, at Harrow where we had um, the likes of Gary Balance and Sam Northeast within, within our age group. So, um, you know, we were, we were playing at a decent standard. Um, and, and at that stage, started, you know, started to take on um, Middlesex Academy and Kent Academy in sort of my last couple of years of school um, as a fixture. So that was kind of my first taste of, I suppose, playing against guys who were within a pathway um, to, to go on to professional cricket. Um, I was playing county age group at North Hans at the time, um, but hadn't got into the North Hans Academy. Um, so once once I got to that point, it was kind of a bit of a um, bit of a crossroads for me, really, in terms of okay, well, Plan A of Northampton Age Groups, Northampton Academy, off to professional cricket. That that hasn't worked. What are we going to do next? Um, and and I think you know I'm a I'm a big believer, and I say this to the, the players that I work with at the moment that you know right place, right time is. Um, you know, is is a is a really good saying and actually rings true in cricket um, a lot. And there's been a couple of times, I suppose, in my career where that's happened. Um, I had I had two 
sort of two trial periods at, at Leicestershire. Um, and the first one was Easter holidays, went to book a net um, and just ready to, to get going before the final summer at school. Um, and I booked Elaine with Dips Patel there and we were just on the machine and Tim Boone, the current head coach, was in the next door net and, and kind of was just, he was working with one of the first team players and he kind of, halfway through the net, just kind of peered across and, and had a little look to see what was going on. And, and from that, that started a conversation of, okay, when you finish school, will you come up and, and trial with us and play for the academy and we might get you a couple of second team games. Um so it was, you know, that that progressed really nicely into then going on and playing um, playing for Leicestershire through that the second half of that summer, and then they sent me off to Australia to go and train with Darren Lehman um, on his academy there, which was, um, you know, that was a great experience. Aged aged eighteen, just fresh out of school, um, wanting to pursue this career, going have six months in, going have six months in Australia. Um, and that was, you know, that was uh, <clears throat> for me. That was a that was a really cool cool experience to go out there and got looked after really nicely in Adelaide by a really cool family and played some good great cricket there as well. Um, but I I came home and and had had the idea and it was one of the first things I said to my dad when I got back was right I've got this plan I'm going to play cricket in the summer here and then I'm going to go to Australia and play club cricket out there and and I'm not going to bother with uni and. Um, you know, this is this is going to be me going forward, and and he very sensibly gave me some very clever advice and said, well, even if that does work, you're you're not going to be doing it forever. Um, and that's when that's when we looked at, at the option of going to Loughborough. So you know, Loughborough's Loughborough sort of has a very special place in my heart in that it gave me the opportunity and gave me the the platform to develop as a player to become a professional. Um, and, and that's you know one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about working back at Loughborough University and over the last few years and, and now with Lightning Cricket based there is it's a great it's a great environment to develop and pursue your your career and your dreams um, and and I got you know my my second time if I guess of right place right time was um, through the through the MCCU system um, Graham Dilly was my head coach. Um, and and he he picked me for a um, for a game against Leicestershire, um, and this was first trial. Leicester hadn't worked out, but as with anything, you know, you leave on good terms, and you never know the doors the doors never closed, kind of thing. Um, and I managed to get get a hundred in that game in in the fourth innings, and and that kind of then reignited the conversation. Um, and that then got me again another few games in, in the second half of the season playing in the twos and then made my championship debut in 2011 against Surrey and that you know again right place right time had I not scored runs in that game potentially that conversation um, you know wouldn't have started so I think you know for, for me I look, I look back on my playing career and I'm very I'm very grateful for the opportunities I had um, and absolutely loved it but you know that's that's driven you know, the opportunity I've had with that and the experiences I've had with that has now driven my passion for coaching and, and trying to give players the, the same opportunities that I've had. What a fantastic summary. Um, try getting that onto a CV in two pages. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, 
I think I mean, there's lots of information there. I think I'd like to find out a little bit more about. I think uh, a, a lot of the people that we um, we've we've spoken with on podcasts so far have have all have pretty much all said how important their their parents um, or siblings were uh, when first getting um, you know a bat in hand or a ball in hand, uh, either at a club or in the back garden or wherever it be. And you, you obviously know different. How how old were you when you first played junior uh, club cricket? Can you remember? So a very, I mean, a very, you know, very influential age um, for any youngster, you know, that that's the perfect kind of time to start as uh, many of us who are involved in, in junior sports development will know. Um, and do you, you know, what, what memories do you have of coaches at, uh, at, the, at your local club before you went to, to Harrow, which I'd like to ask about as well. But, you know, first of all, in terms of club coaching, what, what do you remember most either favourably or unfavourably? So when you say when you say he was a great coach um, and still is, uh, what what to you does does great mean in 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 your personal experience? Yeah, he he understood what I, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve, um, and and even at even at a young age, you know, you look at you, you come into that setup and you're eight, nine, ten. Your dream at that point is to play county age group cricket. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the next part of the journey is yeah. coming into a county age group side, and and he really understood um, what that that was part of what I wanted to do, and and understood actually okay, let's this is how we're going to do it. Um, and I remember through through school holidays, I'd you know if, if um, my parents were were struggling with <laughs> keeping me entertained over the summer, they. They'd send me off, you know, I got up back to school for a day and, and Steve and I would, would have a net and it'd incorporate elements of fitness into it, which for me as a, you know, someone aged probably 11 or 12 at that stage, that was fairly new to me, but it ingrained in me, I suppose, things that would be expected of me as I went through my through my, my career and through that journey into, into the professional game. And, and I think, you know, for me, great coaches understand the player and are able to read what the player wants and facilitate that and not not go with a, a set agenda of, well, this is what I want to achieve as a coach. 
at that at that stage. I think as you go higher up, obviously you need your vision, you need your strategy of how you want the team to play. But for me, the younger the younger the kids are, that you're your coach your coaching is about the enjoyment it's about really ingraining that love of the game um, yeah. because that's essentially what will, what will get people you know kids coming back to the next session where they can develop further and um, I think that's a massively key part yeah, totally, totally agree. I think everyone listening would uh, be um, nodding their heads um, at the same time as uh, listening to you. I, th- I think it's um, also great to hear some some really positive uh, reflections about Steve and, and his ability as a coach and maybe how he's influenced you into, uh, as, as how you become a coach um, currently. Um, I like the word facilitator and uh, I think um, an- another word that I probably would... Uh, would sort of paraphrase listening to you there is somebody who's interested you know who, who first of all is interested in how to help and um it's not necessarily about um telling you directing you um it's like you say it's not about uh fitting in with his or her style as a coach it's very much about listening asking supporting and as you, as you quite rightly say facilitating um and uh, I'll, I'll i'll mention a bit later on about our coaching cards which um i think uh, probably mirror and kind of match that kind of approach to, to the coaching um, uh, modus operandi. But tell us a little bit about Harrow then. So, you know, for, for those people who, who perhaps are listening outside of the UK, uh, they may not even um, know, you know, much about Harrow and it's ed- either it's educational history or it's um, sporting history. So from a cricket point of view, what was it like? Yeah, it was, it was an amazing five years I had there. Um, you know, I was in the same boarding house as um, Sam Northeast, so he was, you know, we kind of came in and we were the kind of two cricket guys in the house. Um, he was very much on Kent's radar, already part of the academy, um, and and you know we we had the opportunity at school to to essentially train and and play as much cricket or as much sport in general as we wanted, and and that I know that's not the case for everyone in in the schools that they go to, but you know we were very fortunate that. Being at a boarding school, it was like, well, what are we going to do when lessons are finished and, you know, before they go to bed, well, let's chuck them out on a sports field and get them playing sport kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I had, a, I had a great time there with, with you know, through that through that time, I made some lifelong mates, both through cricket and just just through, through stuff in the house and being at the school. Um, I had a very understanding housemaster who, within, within the first six months when... You know, at Arrow, kind of the CCF is combined cadet forces is kind yeah. of one of the things that um, you're expected to do on a on a Monday afternoon. Um, and my housemaster was very understanding and kind of had a conversation with Sam and I and said, "You guys are never going to go into the army, idea And we were like, "No, sir. We want to um, we want to pursue a career in cricket." So he said, "Right. Well, I've spoken to the cricket coach who um, at the time was a guy called um, Stephen Jones." And he said, "Well, I've spoken to him, and um, Monday afternoons, you guys are going to be down in the down in the cricket centre." Um, and and for me, again, it was it was another example of someone understanding what what we wanted to do, and and understood understood us as people, and um, that gave us the opportunity, I suppose, to to focus on cricket through the winter while still playing other sports through the rest of the week, so we could still carry on playing rugby and we could play football and. Um, it just gave us though that again another kind of theme of cricket going forward, cricket going forward in the professional 
for some nets before the season starts in April. It's okay, what comes with it? And um, and that's you know we we were you know lucky to be able to have that access to training as much as we did to to playing high quality cricket at that age group, um, playing a, a number of the public schools around us. Um, you know the opportunity to play against Eton at Lords, which. For me, it was you know I played my first game there, aged seventeen, uh, sixteen. Sorry, so yeah, that was just a ridiculous, a ridiculous experience for a sixteen-year-old. Um, but you know, I think I look back on games like that, and you think, well, the opportunity to play in in a game at Lords, aged age sixteen, I think build you know build some strength in you and ability to handle nerves and um, and everything that goes with it because it's it's one thing seeing lords from the stands but actually you know seeing lords from the from the pavilion itself and the and the change room balcony it kind of puts a slightly different spin on it and um you know walking i just remember the feeling of walking down onto the through the long room and and out onto onto the outfield and it was kind of one of those feelings you just you can never replicate um, it's funny. It's funny you. Um, you. I mean, again, listeners obviously can't see uh, Rob's face, but uh, I, you know, I, I can, and I can tell you that he's kind of reliving that moment. Um, in you know, in in every sense. Um, and um, the the podcast that's just been uh, released in in previous few weeks, uh, was with uh, Denisha Devnerine, who's the current head coach of uh, South African women's under 19s um and i don't think she was 16 but she wasn't uh i think she's about 21 uh, when she made her um her first trip as a south african women's cricketer to england and uh, and walked out um like you did uh, to play at lords and and she described that uh, that day um I, th- I think as permanently having goosebumps and you know she 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 regaled us with um her memory of singing the national anthem and and all of that that goes with it. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's I would imagine for anybody who uh, loves cricket or is interested in cricket to have the opportunity to play uh, whatever age, sixteen or whatever age, to play on the hallowed turf uh, must have been absolutely incredible. Um, I was gonna I was gonna just touch on uh, quickly, if I may, on. I mean, you've not you've not said it. Um, you you've come across incredibly modestly. You've said you've talked about right place, right time, but you know you you also described that in your pathway in your own personal. Um, development pathway it wasn't a smooth um you know smooth kind of path to success um and i think for anybody uh starting out in cricket within a within the system whether it be in the uk or, or abroad um it's very important to understand that it's it's almost exceptionally unique for somebody to uh go from say a 12 year old in the system to become a um, a professional or elite athlete without having hiccups without having um, knockbacks without having you know experienced failure and um, so you know not to get into the academy at North Ants not to get um, the, the the first opportunity with with, uh, with Leicestershire and yet you know clearly you still had that drive that hunger uh, and that inner belief so what what do you think um, sort of gave you those, those ingredients to keep going and keep and keep following that dream and that ambition Rob? Yeah so it's a really good question actually a really good point in terms of know a, a player's journey is, is never a, a straight line to, to where they want to get to and and I think you know for, for me I probably wasn't ready for when I had that first trial at Leicestershire I wasn't 
but actually I probably didn't know my game as, as much as I needed to to be successful at that level um, and and I think for me having the opportunity to go to Loughborough almost took the pressure off it a bit because I was going through the university studying for a degree going well you know I still want to do cricket and I'm massively passionate about it but it doesn't work out I've got a degree I'll find I'll find something to do and, and I think it, it can it can be tough when you when you get a setback um, you know especially as you're growing up and you're coming through the age groups and and you get to you know if you're the strongest player at, at your club or at your county you know quite rightly you're probably assuming that everything's just going to keep taking over year on year and and that will get you to a certain point but understanding that players will will develop and progress at different rates and will come good at different times and you know if you if you're either sitting at the top there and you're happy days you know and this works the whole way through to to professional cricket is that someone will be someone will come up at some point you know either that year or the year after and they'll be gunning for your spot and that's you know that's that's the reality of it you know it's success and failure is part of life not just cricket and and I'm a big I'm a big believer in trying to get that into players so they understand it rather than everyone wins because that's that's not the truth of how things how things work out um, so I, th- I think for me it was you know having if I had a setback getting getting the understanding of okay this hasn't gone how I want it to go what's the next plan and, and I think I think that's really important because I, I took that approach from that first time not getting on the North Hans Academy to not getting that counter contract after that first trial to the meeting I had at Grace Road when they said we're not going to renew your contract Yeah, I had that same approach of right what's, what am I going to do next um, and I think you know it's fast forwarding a bit but I think that helped me with the transition out of the game and into coaching because right. I had, I had a, a way of going, okay, what am I going to do next? Um, and, and I think as well, you know, we go back to what we said earlier about trying to instill the love of the game mm. in, in players is, you know, we, we play a game that the majority of us absolutely love and we really enjoy, but it's not always going to go the way we want it to. And mm. actually, if you think about on-field performances, how often do you walk off with a hundred or a five you well, know, and have a have a great day? Doesn't happen loads. No, I was going to say that for for you, I believe, um, fellow left-handed batsman, um, will be you bowled a bit as well. But um, you know, you you will not, uh, and I'm you know, you as as will be the case with anybody in cricketing history, with maybe one or two exceptions, uh, will not score a hundred every time you go out to bat, as you rightly point out. More often than not, you will not get the score that you would like to get um, when you go out to you know to bat and face that first ball. Uh, that is the nature of the beast, and as a as a batsman in cricket, whatever level you play, um, and I think that that knowing your game and knowing uh, that, that within uh, the game of cricket as a whole, that that is a fact, that is a reality. That you know you could almost put it this way: that you fail more than you succeed. Um, yeah, probably helps more people who be, who can grasp that concept early and kind of embrace it and see it's part of the process versus particularly for youngsters because a lot of our listeners have got kids either as parents or coaches involved in the game. I think one of the 
the most topical topics and um, in some of our discussions on other social media channels is about how to deal with failure and how to deal with uh, the feeling of letting yourself down, letting your teammates down, um, letting your family down. Um, and you know the, the, the earlier as, as coaches and as parents that we can um, support those, those youngsters through those moments, not, not with saying that failure is a bad thing, but just as you alluded to, that it's part and parcel of life, not just sport, um, the better it is, I think. Um, but clearly, you, I, I, I love the term that you said, looking forwards, because I think um, in, in terms of talking about resilience and mental toughness, you know, a lot of people use this phrase bouncing back, but then people you know, turn that, 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 that word or that, that, those two words to you know, looking forwards, facing forwards, and, or even bouncing forwards. And um, it obviously gives a, a kind of a future facing, the art of the possible growth mindset, all that kind of stuff that I'm sure um, you know, you're aware of. So, yeah, so, I think just on that as well, before, before you go to the next thing, so, you know, talk about a lot of your followers talking about failure. And, and I think, again, if we can understand that and people can understand that it is part of the game, mm. actually those things that you're worried about in failure, you can turn into your motivators. Mm. Because if you're worried about letting your family down, well, why doesn't, why can't that be a motivator to say, do you know what, I'm going to make my family proud? Mm. You know, just as one example. And, and I think I'm very much glass half full, so I would always try and put a positive spin on something and, and not allow not allow myself or my players to wallow in, this hasn't gone well, oh my God, it's the end of the world, but actually, okay, well, this hasn't gone well, let's review it, let's go, right, we reviewed it, we're happy, or well, we're not, not always happy, but we've reviewed it, we're happy with the review we've done, let's move forward. Yeah. Because you're right, you said it, the, the failure is part of the process and we've just got to understand how how we deal with it and how we move forward. And I, and I, I was listening to something yesterday um, on uh, the, the subject of stoicism and we're not going to get into too, you know, too much philosophical debate here. But uh, one of the one of the uh, phrases I actually wrote down, I've got it here in front of me, to, I didn't think this was going to crop up in our conversation, but we suffer more in imagination than in reality which is a quote from a, a Greek philosopher, I think, called Seneca. And um, I, I guess, you know, what that, you know, may paraphrase, me paraphrasing means that, you know, actually when in, in terms of cricket, getting out for a duck or, you know, failing to, to reach that milestone is, you know, in reality is disappointing in the moment and maybe for a, a bit of time afterwards, but it's, uh, it's that's, as, that's as bad as it gets. But when you think about the potential of not achieving beforehand it seems a hell of a lot worse than it re- actually is in reality um and and i think that's that's one of the things that um that i try to convey in, in in coaching youngsters is that you know not achieving or not succeeding or failing to a- a- accomplish that particular goal is um is that it's not only part of life and part of the game but it's no it's nowhere near as bad as you might imagine it to be um something that you know think of the worst possible thing that you could think could happen and then give 
and they'll normally be there or thereabouts and you're going well you're telling me that you getting out for none is the same as whatever yeah. they come up with straight away they go oh do you know what yeah okay and it's you know just one of many ways that very simply gets quite a clear message across of it's not the end of the world yeah it's perspective isn't it um and uh, and I think that in particularly as you get into elite sports, but it, it still, I think, is uh, relevant to, you know, junior sport at grassroots level, whatever the sport is. If you set your your standards so high that you're almost wanting to achieve perfectionism all the time, you're always going to be disappointed. And that goes for whether you're a coach or whether you're a player or whether you're a parent. Um, and and that that's yeah that's that's when it becomes a bit uh, dangerous. I think um, you know we, we're as humans we you know we're not you know we're not perfect. So, um, but yeah. So so you so I, I think another interesting turn in your in your career and your story and your journey was uh, the fact that you you weren't intending to go to university. You'd had this amazing experience in Australia, uh, came back and and then sort of you know made this uh, decision which then your father listened to and, and said, well, hang on a second here, son. <laughs> um, and you listened and, and then ended up going to Loughborough University where now you are involved in a coaching capacity. So I think that's um, a great sort of circle of, of life just in, in terms of your own experience. But so, so tell us a little bit more about how you move from the playing, um, your playing career into a coaching career and how all that came about. Yeah, so I, I suppose that's, 2011 to 16 at Leicestershire and um, you know we went through that period of time as a as a club we, we weren't massively successful we won the T20 Cup um, just in my in my first year so that was you know I was playing the four days out of that time and um, so I kind of was in, in and around that group when the guys won, won that competition but we had a from then on we had a bit of an up and down um Kind of few years as a club, and um, I sort of had played a lot of one-day cricket, played a fair bit of um, T20, and then a, a, a bit of uh, four-day cricket as well. And I think you know, as I said earlier, I loved I loved all of it, and, and I loved all of it until the point where I got into the final year of my contract, and I got into May, into June, into July, and you're waiting for you know, you're hoping right. I need a conversation with the coach at some point here on, you know, hopefully a contract's coming on the table and it and it it never really came about that conversation never came about until obviously towards the end of the season and I'd picked up a an injury um kind of in back at end of July and start of August and it put me out for a little bit. So having kind of considered the whole situation I was in, injured back end of a contract, hadn't had a brilliant first half of the year, you'd probably go, Well, writing's on the wall. Um, a little bit in terms of what's going to happen so I got in touch with um, Charlie Mulrane who was at the PCA who looked after our kind of personal development while we were at the club and um, and I said to him I'm going I've got, got a feeling that this is going to happen what what can we do and it's it's one thing that looking back I probably should have put more time into previously and earlier but he said well what do you want to go into and I said well at the minute I've got, I've got my level 2 coaching badge I'll be keen to give that a go so he just threw the idea out and said well why don't you you know while you're injured just do your rehab but why don't you touch you know touch base with the academy coach and see if you can just go along to a few of their games and assist him and kind of get a feel for it um so i did so i did that absolutely loved it really enjoyed looking at a game from the other side of the 
because it was the first time I really had had to do it. It was always right. How am I going to play in this game? And how you know? Am I going to get runs? Am I going to take wickets? And it was the first time I'd gone right. I've got a group of guys here who are going to go out and play, and I'm going to view it where from a situation where I can't impact on the game mm-hmm. specifically as a player. So I got a real, real big buzz out of that chatting to the guys and reflecting on how the game's gone and chatting about their games individually. And, uh, and from there, and uh, then did a bit of work on the pathway coaching that that winter. And you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's leave summer on good terms. I've always always a big believer in that you know mm. not going out of anywhere kicking and screaming because you never know when you're going to need something um, so you know left as a player on really good terms and accepted the decision that was made and did a bit of coaching with the age group guys and then you know that was a couple of nights a week and and I just got on got on the phone to um, Sal Briggs who was the head coach of the women's setup at Loughborough at the time and um, just said I'm making this change you guys are pretty close to where I'm living can I come back because and, and and just you know do a couple of nights a week and help out on the men's program, the women's program because Loughborough essentially was the place that gave me the shot, mm. you know, to to become a pro and and I knew there was a squad of players there in the men's side and and even in the women's setup as well, you know, I had a lot of players go through that program and go on and play for England. I knew there were people in that environment who I could share my experiences with. Um, so it kind of just went went from there, really, and straight away I found myself, you know, coaching kind of four or five nights a week, um, as it is a lot of the time. You know, when you're coming through um, through the levels, it's very much lots of evenings and weekends, and yeah. And I think you know I just kept myself I kept myself busy with coaching, and and it kind of then the stuff at Loughborough went from a couple of nights a week to three days a week to getting involved in the Kier Super League. Um, to then, you know, Sal going to Australia to take over Hobart Hurricanes and me taking the spot as head coach. And, and it's kind of just gone from there, really, of, of, you know, again, found myself in a good position at the right time and being able to take that opportunity. And what what, what would you describe, or how would you describe yourself in terms of style of coach then? In, um, you know, up till now, what, how would you describe that? Yeah, so, I, so I'm... I've I found myself being very much focused on the, the development of the individual mm-hmm. um, partly because I think that naturally the environment I'm working in, in you know dealing with university students from the age of 18 to 21 and now with the with the professional setup going on older you're working with players and individuals who are balancing a lot um, so yeah. be it they've, they've left home for the first time and come straight to uni or you know they've suddenly trying to balance a degree with training full-time, with eating food in halls, which is not always the healthiest, and with turning to eat other things. And and I think that requires a lot of support as a coach. Um, and it's it's actually something that, for me now, so I'm, I'm starting my Level 4 course next week, and, and actually that's something that we've already spoken about on the, on the calls I've had with the ECB is, how do I get more challenge into my coaching? Yeah, and trying to get that balance right while not losing that natural element of support that I found has worked really well. Um, and I, and that's that's the challenge within the women's game as well. Is is generally I found players react well to support 
Yeah. It's, yeah, big, big on support. Um, you know, certainly with, with the girls I've been working with, but, um, you know, and, and putting, I suppose, putting myself in a situation where they understand what I'm trying to get across to them. And, and I think as well, you know, with my previous experience at Loughborough as a student, generally, I think a lot of the, a lot of the experiences that those girls are having through, through university, I found myself in a similar situation um, as a student myself and as a student athlete myself. So um, probably just, yeah, big, big on support and being relatable to the, to the girls and the situations they find themselves in. I think um, it, you've not used exactly the same words, but it, it's it's it seems to me and sounds to the listeners, I'm sure that um, you know those kind of words you use to describe um, you know great coaching in the past uh, with the likes of Steve and so on. Um, you know you you're you're showing an understanding, a level of understanding um, in terms of those individuals, whether they be the university um, students or whether it be the professional players. Um, so it's understanding as well as that support and I think also a degree of empathy the way you come across and the way you know your tone of uh, of voice um shows a, a great deal of of empathy which I think is you know for any for any coach um not just in sport but um in, you know in life in general and business you you have to have a, a degree of empathy um in order to kind of build that relationship and that engagement um I I think that uh, the point about challenge for yourself sounds um sounds really interesting and because uh, challenge challenge means different things to different people of course doesn't it and um you know for, for you you've got to find that that right level of challenge that you feel is right for you that also works for your for your players um but um I'm sure everybody listening will uh, wish wish um will join me in wishing you well on your uh, your level four um. Yeah, you know, I was I was yeah. talking to um to Graham Onions um not that long ago just well just around first lockdown and I was uh, at the uh, Lancashire Academy and he was he was telling me a, a couple of stories about him uh, and his uh, recent experience having just gone through the level four uh, and of course, of course he's now embarking upon a a different uh, career path including coaching and um and yeah we we were talking about the the art of asking questions actually so it kind of linked to your your point about challenge and um we, we've designed some some coaching cards which are essentially coaching questions that are uh, there to designed specifically to uh, provide coaches with the opportunity to ask better questions by that i mean um you know questions which are open therefore uh, will build levels of engagement with players but at the same time going back to one of your points earlier will also help the players get to know their own game a bit better and also um, own their own development a bit more. Um, so you act again using another one of your words. You you end up sort of acting in this supportive but facilitative role more than this kind of uh, didactic. I know exactly what you need to do type of role, which um, everybody I speak to, whether they be a, a former professional player or um, you know somebody who's coached at a very very high level, they they say that you know the the least thing they want to to be to hear from a coach is this is what you need to do this is what you need to stop doing <laughs> so so yeah anybody who's interested i think uh, we're starting to gather a little bit of momentum on the on the coaching cards now um, and i'll by all means uh, send you a, a pack to have a look at and see if you can see if you can see some benefit in it uh, when you're coaching with uh, with your players so what what does the future hold then rob what apart from your level 4 what what are your 
looking forwards um, to, for, for the next few years for you um, with regards to your, your ambitions um, going forward? What, what do they look like? Yeah, so, so I mean, the, the level four is a, is a two-year piece of work, so um, it's, that's not going to be done anytime soon. So I think, I think for me, you know, the, the new setup, the new women's elite domestic structure is, is a massively exciting um, sort of period of time for women's cricket. You know, the ECB have, have committed to funding the women's game at a domestic level for the next five years, and, um, you know, that's brought about us at the moment being able to employ five five players as full-time pros and um, I think you know yes we had Loughborough Lightning in the Kia Super League and that was very much a lot of university students um, but for me it's about Lightning Cricket which well the name is pretty similar we're now encompassing the, the whole of the East Midlands so for us it's about building that identity as a new team and, and for me trying to drive that with our director of women's cricket and Build big, you know, strong relationships with um, with the counties in our region, um, and 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 now we're heading into that era of, of professionalism, and it's more about getting results for me. You know, I've, I've got I got close over, um, you know, got to two final stages in the Super League because my time as head coach and missed out both times, and and you know, I think for me, seeing as well as seeing. Our players develop and progress onto England pathways and into the England senior setup. For me, I'd love to win some silverware. Um, I think that's one part of my coaching that I've still got in me is that, you know, is, I've kind of got that inner player still going. You know, I finished, I finished playing professionally at 26, so I'm like, yeah, I feel like I've still got plenty of that competitive spirit in me. To, and for me, yeah, I'd love to see. See the girls that I'm working with develop and go on and do really well, and, and also you know hopefully if that's happening, that puts us in a good position for for a bit of silverware. But you know, as I say, we're in, we're in an exciting time for the women's game. I'm I'm hoping you know the support for the development of it continues. And and one of the things that we saw through the Super League was the massive support that we got from fans and you know parents bringing their kids down and girls getting into cricket and and girls having role models now and that's that's massively important and that's one of the things that I'm really keen on so our, our, our girls in our senior squad the 15 of them is okay we've now got you you are the senior squad in the East Midlands and you've got four counties all with county age group programs you guys are going to be the role models for these girls coming through and then up on into England so I think it's you know, for me, a big thing is, is getting these girls now we're in that professional era to understand the impact and the positive impact they can have on the game as a whole rather than just that. Am I going to score runs? Am I going to take wickets? So I think if we can build a really, really solid culture and a really strong environment at, at Lightning Cricket, then that will that will feed into the region. Um, so in terms of, yeah, setting, setting that up and performing well on the field they're probably two two big things for me to over the next couple of years and and who knows who knows where that will take me as a as an individual and as a coach and you know us as a team I think it's you know taking I'd love to progress on into the international setup um I'd love to dip my toe you know back in some men's cricket as well I really enjoyed the time I, I did with the Loughborough men's team um assisting on that so you know, I think 
but for now it's about doing the best job I can in the environment I'm in. Well, it's not. Um, it doesn't sound as if you're job. short. It doesn't sound as if you're short of options, uh, which is always good. And <laughs> and um, no, and I think I think that's that's you know potentially one of the things I was fortunate with when I finished playing was I had options. Mm. Um, people gave me the opportunity, and that's you know can't can't take that for granted because I know plenty of players who come out of the game who don't find themselves in in that situation. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right to say as well that it's a very exciting time uh, to be involved, particularly as a player, uh, but to be connected at all to women and um, women's cricket within within this country. Because as you rightly point out, the ECB and Tom Harrison, you know, have um, very much, um, you know, su- uh, pledged to support the game for the next few years. And despite the pandemic, um, you know, have, have stayed true to that uh, to that path. Um, and uh, I think you're right as well to point out about role models. Um, you know, for 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 younger um for the younger age groups coming through, uh, to see people now who have now got professional contracts, uh, as you uh, described, and something I've learned during uh, the conversations over the previous weeks, um, with with some of some of the players, the likes of Sophie Luff, um, uh, the likes of Danny Gibson, the likes of um, Marie Kelly, um, yeah. I think uh, I think two of those three have got professional contracts already, whereas you know a year or so ago that that just not wasn't the case. So, very exciting time for um for players, but also equally very exciting time for for people like yourself who are now coaching in in that space. Um, so, you know, thank you ever so much for for your time and and giving us your uh, you know your insight into your your journey so far as a player and as a coach and as a person. Um, and uh, wish you all the very best uh, in the future. Thanks, Tom. Really enjoyed it. All the best. Thank you.